the ability we have to to lift, to disengage from the tumult of consciousness, sights, sounds, thoughts, impressions. They reverberate and activate the heart. It's a kind of uh, seemingly a small potential, but it, it is enormous potential mm. to disengage, to contemplate things pleasant, unpleasant, strange, esoteric mm. perceptions, impressions, mm. perceptions, hostile, friendly, neutral. Foolish, welcome, brilliant, progressing, decreasing perceptions, the interpretations of experience. Sankaras, volitions, impulses, what to do, what to make, how to go, what to get what to get going, what to stop doing. Just, just lifting from that mind consciousness, mind interpreting, forming ideas, remembering, conceiving. I am this, she is that. I can't be this. They're always that. Just, this, just lifting. It doesn't mean we don't experience these things. Mm. Cause forms. Mm. Strange enough, forms provide a kind of a uh, a way to get perspective on all of it mm. as forms, mental forms, emotional forms, energetic forms, physical forms. Mm. One moment we feel contracted and tight, another time we feel quite open and spacious. We seem to be contained in a very collected form inside a hall, open the door, move out, suddenly our experience changes. Same body, what happened? Energetic form, subtle body. Body has experiences itself. Mm. Sit still for a while, and it gradually feel it can feel quite constricted. Like it needs to do something. Same body, what changed? Energies build up, and they were not able to discharge, not able to release. So they just build up this intensification experience. Mm. come, you know, if it's so physical discomfort, shifting physical position, mm. how come it changes so much? How come walking up and down, seemingly a fairly neutrally innocuous thing to do, can seem sometimes incredibly tedious and frustrating? Why bother? Perceptions change, impressions change. Energies change. Yes. And they give these signals and commands. 
stop this, do that, get out of this, make that happen. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? What should I do? All this signaling going on through, you know, there's a form here. Subtle form, internal form, a felt experience of the body shifting and changing internally. Externally, body doesn't change that much. Internally, it's always vibrant, shifting, changing, subject to emotional pressure. The energetic level, the emotions and the psychologies of our minds, which we imagine to be very separate, are actually feeding into the body's energy system. Passion, causes to flare, aggression, hardens it, cruelty, closes it. And then we experience the results of that. The energy is constricted, we get edgy and irritable. The energy is chaotic, we feel woozy and confused. And so in this very body, the Buddha says, is the origin of the world and the way to the end of it. The world of one's own preoccupations, perceptions, projections, imaginations of you and me and this and that arises fed by bodily energies shifting and changing, colouring everything, diverting our attention. Uh, and it feels flat and stagnant. The hunger starts and we start looking for something to get a bit stimulated by, you know. And so, you know, around some see, well, monastery, God. No rock, no music, oh no. No movies, okay. Jelly babies. <laughs> you get grown adult men. <laughs> Getting excited about a jelly baby. <laughs> yeah. Sweet, easy. Doesn't argue with me. Allowable. What's happening? <laughs> now you can form all kinds of opinions about that. I'm a greedy, you know, pathetic, so and so, so and so. You can just look at that instinct for somebody to get stimulated, gratification, easy, slide it down a little bit of, doesn't last, but something to get into. Uh, what's, what's really needed? Mm. Something more nourishing, perhaps internally. Just to counteract the pull of those responses and reactions. Mm. This is cultivation internally, generating a, an energy body that's comfortable, happy. Mm. Mm. So much so, the Buddha, he said he could. And he compared his happiness to that of the king of Benares. He says, well, king of Benares gets his silks and satins and luscious foods and minstrels 
jewels, never has a decent night's sleep, always worried, anxious, nervous, upset. I could sit under a tree for seven days and nights, happy, blissful. Where does that come from? Just that ability to, to lift from these compulsive signals and messages and interpretations and sankharas, responses and reactions. This begins right there. Without adding harshness or blaming or accusation or interpretation, just lifting, sensing. This is shifting and changing. You know, what's it doing? Mm. Somewhere in there, if we train ourselves, the heedfulness, paying attention to how it happens, Heedfulness, the path of the deathless, the ability to lift and pay attention in that non-judgmental way. Open, like this now. Feeling those rushes that run through the system. And the emotions and the mentalities activate our bodies. Internally we get excited, we get fidgety, we get tense, we get stagnant, we get invaded, washed out. The energy body's not secure and steady, we just get flooded. Mm. Mm. So the Buddha recommends the immersion within this mindfulness placed, established within the body. Then it's like the other senses, tactile, so it doesn't refer to the body as a tactile system. It says there is a body amongst the bodies, and the body that you want to cultivate amongst all the bodies, all the forms you can be, is in this steady energy body, which you can groom and replenish just by breathing. Amazing. Just by fully breathing with awareness. And that, you can act like a post in which you tie the six animals of consciousness to it. Mm. Sight, hearing, Smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, mental constructions. So you tie them to that, they will pull and struggle and probably bark and howl. Eventually they'll lie, they'll sit down and you've tamed them. How is it that that can happen? How does the sight, seeing consciousness get tied to the body. Seem to be completely different things. From the external level, clearly thinking is very different from a bone. No relationship at all, seemingly. But when you begin to sense, not so much sight as something out there, you know, like a really dependent upon 
solely upon the the object we see with our eyes, but as an action whereby consciousness, visual consciousness, opens out and sweeps around and detects a particular form to be interested in. That's an action. It's an energy that happens there. When you... Fragrance. Olfactory consciousness is open and detects a flower and focuses, sharpens around that. Some action happens there. And that's often um, just happens instinctively. With mind consciousness, actually, there's no natural basis for that at all, except to scan the other senses, looking for something to taste or touch, and then, oh, that's interesting, picks that up. Often, um, just based upon sheer immediate, you know, or programs to something to be comforted by or something to be repelled, pushed away, on the lookout for. Avijja Pachaya Sankara, based upon this unknowing of realization, unknowing of the Four Noble Truths, not really knowing how this suffering starts, these activations, sankharas, start to throw consciousness around to this and to that, to this and to that. Then we get the payoff, what comes back. Mm. Messages of delight, messages of fear, messages of aversion, messages of complication, messages of so much coming in I feel overwhelmed. By thinking, touching, taste, suddenly flooded, crashed, overwhelmed. Mm. So how is all that steadied? Well, you lift from that, survey that, how is this affecting me? How is this affecting me deeply internally? I'm feeling agitated, I'm feeling tense, I'm feeling... That's your body. Your emotional sense is made real and felt through the energies in the body. So it's not just a vague idea, it grabs you. What does it grab? Energies in the body. Makes us hasty. That's a body energy. Makes us agitated. That's bodily energy. It makes us um, relax if it's agreeable. What, hap- what does that? Body energy relaxes and soothes. So it can be pleasant or unpleasant. Mm. But if it's steady, if it's steadied in itself, so we contemplate and steady and nourish that system, it starts to stand independent of sense consciousness. So we see things, but the mind, the sankharas don't run out. We, go, uh-huh. we hear things, they, 
volitional tendencies, responses and reactions don't run out. Just seeing that, hearing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you've got somewhere where you can notice, you can observe, you can be wise. Mm-hmm. It's just the sight, it's just the sound, it's just the thought. Which most provocative organ of consciousness is the mind. One we can't close, the eye you can close, the mind never closes. It's all the time, throwing things in, stirring up activations, perceptions, feelings. And the mind believes in itself. I've got the answers. I can cock strategies. I got it figured out. I know what's what. The mind believes in itself. Mm. Believing in itself, it doesn't allow for that lifting. Uh, you get arrogant, uh, conceited, insensitive, opinionated, or critical, negative, depressed. Believe in your thoughts, you're going to go get depressed, or narcissistic. <laughs> and that happens independently of. Whether you're a lay person, a monk, nun, whatever. That's what happens. This is just the way the mind goes. You either think, I have got it all, you know, or I'm a complete mess, or vary, or fluctuate between the two. But basically, the mind believes in itself. How can you believe in such a fool, such a liar? <laughs> Changes his mind from moment to moment. Uh, <laughs> What else we can orient around? We can't trust that, our, our great leader. Well, when you lift from that, you know there's something else. Mind can't lift from itself. Awareness in the heart, heart awareness lifts. Hmm. Notices like this. This is a fundamental principle of meditation, isn't it? And then what's needed to, to keep that, sustain that, so it's not a closure, like a denial of sight, sound, touch and thought, or a wish to run away from it, but just, it's like that. Mm-hmm. What helps that? Well, back it up with that embodiment. And it's got some strength. Take it down to your feet, your breath, your internal body. Just Then it's got some strength, strength of energy. Body energy backs it up. There's an emotional confidence and firmness that comes with that. It's not arrogant. It's just autonomous. Not independent in the sense of nothing else counts apart from me, but... It's autonomous, meaning I'm here, that's there, 
from there relationship begins, doesn't it? Not denial of that, of consciousness and what it brings in, sights and sounds, perceptions and feelings, people, creatures, not denial of that, that's happening, but mm-hmm. relationship. I'm autonomous, not independent. In fact, there is no independence in that sense. Everything is affecting everything else. Our perceptions, feelings are affecting everything. What we see, how we act. Everything's intermeshing. This is the great Itapachayata dependency principle, dependent origination. Basically, the dependency is flawed with ignorance, then suffering, craving and suffering is a result. If the dependency is based upon faith and clarity and wisdom, happiness is a result, ending of suffering. Put it in a nutshell. <laughs> Relationship. Okay. Uh, Why these three um, fundamental purposes or motivations or intentions are so important to bear in mind? Renunciation, that ability to step back from sense contact and all it does, the reactions, the responses to it, just how was really needed in all this? Step back from the gratification. What's really needed? Not what I want, but what's needed. Um, Let's see. Experiment. Test. Check it out. It's not not a fundamental like asceticism. It's not a negative action. It's a liberating action. The chance to check out what's needed. How do I know what's needed? Because I can look at the results. How good does this make me feel? What's it like if it's not there? How long can I depend upon this? Do I develop dependencies on things that are not sustainable? Am I always going to have jelly babies? (laughs) Don't need it. What's the, what's the rush, you know? There's a lot more than jelly babies, actually. So it's just that. Getting you off the hook of consumerism. And then, what happens? Feeling of lightness. Oh. That happens by itself. You don't say, I, you know, it lifts, something feels lighter, clearer. Stay with that space when there's a little letting go of that. It's rather enjoyable. Clean, clear, light. The absence of that pulling. Hmm. That's the result. Ah. We learn this. By staying in that which can learn it, 
that which can lift, citta, lifts, its awareness opens, it's naturally, it's wise to this extent. As we notice, as the Buddha did, intentions that they have some sense of scorn or cruelty or harshness to them, whether it's towards ourselves, other people, contempt, doesn't matter to me, doesn't care what you think, putting people, putting others down, mm, towards another creature, you know, you know, bird or slug, whatever, they, they've got as much right to live as I have. Where does that, it doesn't count, come from? Mm. What does it do? And how that can grow, how we can live with such contempt for living beings, for other humans, and eventually for ourselves. Mm. Notice this when you get unpleasant formations arise in your mind, or you can't do things, you can't be what you feel you should be, you can't get to the grade that you think you should be at what comes in a judgment. Mm. Who said you should be? Craving. Craving to become. This program in the system. Lifting from that. Lifting from that. That's not the way to go. Things will develop in their own time. And not based upon that craving, but based upon that which you can trust, lifting, contemplating what's skillful, what's wholesome at this very moment, what's needed, what's not needed at this very moment. Plenty of time to do that because things are happening so quickly. This other stuff is going nowhere useful. This one gives rise to a sense of patience and compassion. Care, tenderness, carefulness, sensitivity. When that arises by itself, not because you've decided you need to be more that way, I need to be more like this, no, that doesn't do it. When you lift, arise, open, linger, Notice these harmful influences and what they do to you. Mm. Relinquish that. Step back from that. Feel the energies of that. Breathe out through that. Steady yourself within that. Something else comes up. Realizations of goodwill start happening. Ethical sensitivity starts happening. Not because you should be, but because that's the truth of the matter. That's the truth. 
of the mutual universe which we're in conditions are embedded in there's no separate self and yet there's autonomy the ability to lift and survey and then the engagement happens as a sense of surveying experience with a ethical sensitivity, concern, compassion putting aside brutality, forcefulness mm. harming mm. are the creatures harming you, harming yourself the average amount of brutality that people do to this, their bodies you know? You notice these cigarette packs which says, this will kill you. Pictures of lungs rotting away and people buying them at five or ten pounds a packet. (laughs) You know, like... (laughs) You know, drinking alcohol. No poison. Dog wouldn't drink it. You know overeating uh, wrecking their bodies through you know, either not caring for it or just physically brutalising their bodies charging around, thrusting jumping around, rushing them here and there stressing their nervous systems, frying their nervous systems, trying to reach deadlines and get this and get that just cooking them, cooking their nervous system with stress you know? and uh, this is encouraged Called having, being fully engaged with life, vibrant lifestyle, <laughs> progressive. You know, and it becomes so embedded; it becomes almost uh, obligatory. So you want to engage with, you know, get ahead in life. You've got to start doing yourself some harm. Mm. 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 So yeah, then lifting. The need then to understand the, the power of that. These wrong resolves. Because we're in the world of karma, everything has consequences, and eventually you pay the price. That's the story. Your mind gets corrupted, your intentions get diverted, your emotions get go strange, and your energy body starts getting collapsing or going erratic. You can't sleep at night. You know, can't rest. You know, just that much thing the body should naturally do. Can't do it. Can't breathe properly. You know go out of their bodies, can't even find their body, it just disappears off into the thought world mm. where it's just all fantasies so, you know, realizing the power of that, the results of that when we say the world of karma, karma of course we can all think, oh it's because of what I did 
Not really. I mean, that's one way of putting it. But actually, in his kind of non-self position, we just see we arise in a world of action, reaction, response. Chitta opens to this. Where did we learn these programs from? You know, other people, mainstream, what do you do? We learn it from other people. We have these tendencies for gratification, for cruelty and for harming, and uh, they get acted upon and accepted. It's all right to just throw a hook in the water and pull a fish out. That's called having a relaxing weekend. What about the fish? I doesn't mind. <laughs> it's all right to shoot birds, because well, it's kind of fun. What about the bird? You know, it's okay. That's our rights. And so forth and so forth. These habits get acquired and internalized. And what's not internalized, not acquired, is an environment which is loving, wise, cool, nourishing. So it's not just the karma that does happen, it's the karma that doesn't happen. It counts. We're talking about the world of karma. It's not just what we do, but what we get learn to do, what tendencies in us get aroused, but also what tendencies don't get aroused. Tendencies of sympathy, of groundedness, of renunciation, of simplicity, of gentleness. So we condition in that kind of karmic thing where you just, you just get built. The whole psyche and the energy body gets built in the wrong way. You know, you, you heard of like countries where there are kids 10 years old with machine guns because that's, that's the environment they grew up in. People are 12 years old, drug addicts already. That's the environment. And where was the love? Where was the care? Where was the compassion? Where was the direct, wise guidance? They just, the whole thing gets built wrong. Mm. And in that situation, people become extremely dangerous to themselves and to others. And so, just recognizing this power of karma and that it gets learnt. The sankara is a learning program. So as you get activated, gradually it gets the familiar response, familiar reactions. According to what you perceptions you picked up, these are the kind of people you trust, these are the kind of people you despise, these are the kind of people that don't count, these are the people that do count, these are the ones you obey, these are the ones you dismiss. Right, pick that up and you get activated and you carry 
that on, you bring the message on, you keep it going. And now we say, well, you know, what does that do? The power, the accumulation of ignorance. So a natural animated energy just gets distorted. The mind gets distorted. The heart gets distorted. Doesn't know its truth. And so, you know, cultivation, looking it's very, you can take it to the microcosmic level, which is just being able to be with your own breathing with a cool, easeful, gentle, sustained awareness, mindfulness of breathing. It could be being in a group with care, sustained attention, gentleness, clarity, being in a group. It can be, it's microcosmic, macrocosmic, you can expand it. This is why the Dhamma is true from the most refined detail right to the macrocosmic level. There's no difference. It's all part of the same cosmos. There's no real... We talk about internal and external just as a way of describing things. Actually, those boundaries are pretty uh, permeable. Now we do experience boundaries, and boundaries are useful, and boundaries are uh, things we should have autonomy over, make decisive um, decisions around, or you know, where's the boundary of my attention? What is it useful to attend to or not to attend to? That's a skill. Recognizing just how permeable everything is. So, it's up to you. You know, the Buddha doesn't lay down lines, he just says, you attend to that which gives rise to skillful dhammas, don't give attention to that which gives rise to unskillful dhammas. <laughs> you know, it's a kind of fairly like, come on, get your own wisdom going on this one. <laughs> it's not, it's certainly extremely not dogmatic, not fundamental, it's just be, be realistic. And, uh, you know, recognize the danger. And the escape. Boundaries of attention. Boundaries of intention. This kind of action, this kind of way of behavior has got to only go so far, has to be contained, steadied. So we collect our emotional energies just to that which is not dominating others, not flooding everybody else. And gentleness, sensitivity. So we're not just kind of throwing our emotional energy into everyone else, either fascination or aggression. You know, if I'm feeling averse, I just keep that contained, steady at work with it rather than just throw it out.
restraint of intention of, the, of how our minds behave boundaries we use those but those boundaries of course are decisively through wisdom not through fear through sensitivity not through some kind of idealistic position like you shall not eat sugar (laughs) no not really it's just what's needed what's helpful what's give rise to benefit what doesn't give rise to benefit just you've got to form those boundaries pretty much intimately but know you have that you do that so without that we talk about open awareness but it's open in its awareness of the need for relative boundaries that can be shifted and changed now we're doing a no talking thing no conversing thing doesn't mean conversations evil should never happen wrong bad foolish prattle so forth no can go could go that way but for the sake of this particular occasion to help us to listen more deeply so that our mental processes we respectfully withdraw them from engaging with others so that people develop their own autonomy therefore it's a wise boundary of course it can change so you're still establishing those Uh, you take the boundaries in your own body so you're focusing on your breathing where you feel the breathing feels strong for you maybe feel your chest or your head okay then recognizing if you want to fulfill the instruction to be thoroughly sensitive to your entire body you've got to expand that as far as it goes now what is the entire body well in terms of the breathing experiment can you feel it in your face in your belly your skin feel it in your skin because that covers the whole body and you can feel eventually you train a subtle tingling flushing in the skin sensitive then sustaining that you get a feeling of what happens a sense of joy rapture happiness by itself because the body fully collected is happy and when the mind links in that it becomes concentrated that's what the teaching says one whose body is refreshed and bright, the jitta feels happy. Happy jitta is concentrated. It means it doesn't go anywhere else. It stays there. Why should it go anywhere else? So you're expanding the boundary to that which is... There's a sense of the system feels, oh, that's it. I feel full, steady, completed. not repressed, not twisted and in that condition what kind of emotions can arise happiness, ease 
Do you think negativity can arise from that? Bitterness, grudges, craving. Might crave a bit more of it, I guess. But it's not going to take you out of sense consciousness. And that's a tremendous benefit. Because then we recognize the happiness of the heart is gentle, easeful, and also naturally arising with some care, without having to stimulate it, pump it, think about it, just by directly opening to the, to the entirety of the, of the body as you breathe. That sense. But this is, of course, what's directly expressed in the teachings, but people struggle with it. Because of karma. Because the fact is that people's energy bodies are, can be pretty distorted, or not fed, or cramped, or tightened. So they're trying to, just can't get it going. You know, they feel constricted, and then you put pressure on to make it different. No, just rise from that. Tend to that carefully. It's like this now. Just that gentle maintaining attention, maintaining harmlessness and gentleness as an effect. Scan your body with a mind of goodwill. And if that um, feeling difficult is that, just scan your universe with the mind of goodwill. <laughs> because even this wonderful teaching of mindfulness of the body, which the Buddha says, this is, you really get that message of truth begins to be directly felt and lived in and rewires the way you operate. Even that is dependent on right view, right attitude. Get those straight. Get that straight. Get the attitude straight. Get the approach straight. Then you establish sati in the body. When we realize we're living in a relational, we are a relational context, the absolute necessity to sustain that with a mind of goodwill. It's called the boundarylessness. Yeah, beyond the measuring mind. It's not whether something deserves it, whether I can get something out of it, how good I can do it, what kind of a person can do this. It's just stop all that. Just get the experience, that feeling you're in a, of goodwill. Where does that come from? 
And again, you know, we live in a world which is saturated with ill will, but not constantly. So you can remember, bear in mind, bring to mind qualities of goodwill that have come to you where you've felt that sense of uplift and gratitude and appreciation and you linger in that so begin begin to pick up the good karma I think in my early experience in when I was a monk in Thailand doing a lot of intensive practice probably the best time of day was going on arms round because you're saturated in the generosity of others just taking a daily dip into this bath of generosity mind-blowing simple, humble, daily modest generosity it's almost tearful wow, what's that? And that happening every day just gave me enough kind of food for the heart to feel uplifted and determined to somehow reciprocate uh, what that gesture meant what the gesture of goodwill when it comes to you what that means how that touches you how we cannot survive without it and we've never been able to survive without how from day one when we came to this world helpless flat on our backs, unable to move our bodies how our only goodwill could have possibly kept us alive if you're alive, you've had some goodwill <laughs> tune into it and then naturally when we begin to experience things straight through the heart what you receive, there comes that wish to somehow participate in gestures, in attitudes that are furthering, beneficial, beautiful. Mm. And that gives you some presence. Mm. And your boundaries can ex- how much? Your boundaries can expand. If you just take it through to just even the goodwill towards this very body and mind, goodwill to the people you're living with, just keep trusting it, letting it grow. Boundaries can expand, but stay within the boundary of goodwill. It's called a vihara. It's a vihara we should never leave. If you leave the vihara of goodwill, you go into the vihara of nihilism or ill will. Stay in the vihara of goodwill, that's your boundary of that. And you begin to form the sankharas, the volitional tendencies, the perceptions become established. And they begin to bring real nourishing energy. This is not just the principle, an idea, we should be nice. It's not a moral dictate that you've got to be a good person. It's a, those qualities of goodwill, 
carry, they're emotional, you could say, they also they carry energetic potential. They begin to soothe the fretfulness, lift the gloom, cool the anxiety, take, you know, clear out the cynicism or the hopelessness. You begin to feel those affecting your subtle body, your energy picks up. But stay within it. This is not a sudden finger click. It's a steady drip feed. If it's not feeding on that, what are you feeding on? Willpower? Idealism? Yeah, okay. They'll get you so far, but when they when you lose those, they're conditioned. Hmm. Shifting. So then you know, like in <laughs> even monastic circles we get into the idea of being the purest or the wisest or the most original kind of stuff you see monasteries this is the purest this and we've gone away with all the superstitious stuff with the pure just basic really abhidharma sutta stuff you know and it's the arrogance you can smell it <laughs> it's like no I don't want to be the wisest I don't want to be the ultimate I just want to live with goodwill and see where that goes. Because in this holy life, you don't have to be an expert in Buddhism. You don't have to know everything. Just know how to be a good, develop goodwill, feed upon it, trust the heart, steady yourself. Lift helps you to lift. When you're fed with good food, it's easier to give up the compulsive addictions. Give those up. Steady yourself. And you've got somewhere to land. Ground that's not born upon grasping. Ground of presence. Awareness. Void of ill will. Void of grasping. So from the microcosm to the macrocosm, wherever our, whatever our range is, these are cultivations to be held and transmitted for our welfare, welfare of others. So this is our, what the Buddha gave us. Let's continue to practice that steadily, comfortably, intimately.